Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds. We appreciate you tuning in today. Those of you who are listening to the podcast, we welcome you as well. Before I begin the message, I would like to invite all the men to our monthly Man Alive Prayer Breakfast this coming Saturday, September the 3rd, held at Mount Vernon Christian Academy. We begin at 7 a.m. with a free hot breakfast and then a great time of fellowship. And we always have a guest speaker. This month, we're honored to have the president and CEO of Country Bob Edson Steaks sauce, Brother Terry Edson. He's going to bring a devotion or testimony to us. And so that'll be this Saturday, 7 a.m. at Mount Vernon Christian School located on Route 37 South here in Mount Vernon. Today's message is titled, God Wants You to Be Happy. I'm reading from Psalm 128 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. A form of the word happy or blessed appears more than 300 times in the scripture. So the Bible has a lot to say about happiness. It just defines the word happiness differently than the world does. Now, when I say the world, I'm talking about the world system in general. Happiness, according to the world, is based on what happens to you. So if you have plenty of money, you're happy. If you're not experiencing any pain or problems, you're happy. Uh, If you're going on vacation, you're happy. And so it's what happens to you that produces happiness. But the Word of God uh, describes it differently or defines it differently. According to the Word of God, happiness is not based on what happens to you, but rather what happens in you. In fact, it understands that pain and problems are part of this life, and whether our circumstances are good or bad, it finds sufficiency in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and happiness is found in a relationship with Him. You know, even within Christianity, people tend to fall on one side or the other regarding happiness. Some will say that Christianity and the Bible have nothing to do with happiness, uh, that it's all about self-sacrifice and self-denial and even to the point of self-loathing. It's almost as if the more miserable you are, the more spiritual you are. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, struggled with that. If you uh, read his uh, biography, you'll find that he practiced something called self-flogging because he wanted to discipline himself, thinking that somehow that brought him closer to God. And that's that's a distorted view of what it takes to please God. And then on the other hand, you have another distortion, and that is those who say that Christianity is all about happiness, that that's all God wants. God wants us to be happy, that the more successful you are, the more spiritual you will be. This is called the health and wealth gospel. It's proposed by many false teachers uh, today, and uh, it's a very popular theology, but it's not a biblical theology. Now, years ago, Reader's Digest had a page that was titled, Happiness Is, and it included different little phrases such as, happiness is uh, unsealing a fresh can of coffee. Those of us who are coffee drinkers, you know that 
that uh, sound and smell when you unseal a, a fresh pack of coffee, or happiness is watching your grandchildren play. And so these things bring some sort of happiness in this life. And I think most of us want to be happy. The fact is we, we want to, but we don't always know how to. And if you pursue it the world's way, you're only only going to find a temporary happiness. What I want us to do today is look at four things that happiness is. If you really want to be happy, if you'll practice these four things, according to the Bible, you'll be a happy person. The first thing I want us to notice is that happiness is fearing the Lord. That's the text that I just read from Psalm 128, and I will read it again. Blessed or happy is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. So the Bible says that fearing the Lord will create happiness. Now you say, that sounds strange, Pastor. How how does fearing God create happiness? Well, first of all, fearing the Lord will produce an awe of the Lord. To fear God means to be in awe. That's where we get the word awesome. Uh, It's to be in awe of God's power and God's holiness. It's more than just a simple respect or honor, but it's in being It's being in in awe of his power so much so that we realize that our very breath comes from him, that we have everything because of him, our family, our, our homes, everything is really because of the awesome power and holiness and goodness of God. I want to read a scripture to you from the book of Deuteronomy chapter five, as we see here, the children of Israel learn to be in awe of the power of God. Moses is relating here to the next generation of Israelites what their forefathers experienced at Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments. And I'm just going to read a portion of this as we look at how that fearing God produces awe of God. Moses says, These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness with a great voice. Now he's referring back to Mount Sinai in that experience. And he added no more, and he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. He's referring to the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass, when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire shall consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more. Then shall we die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? And then we have God's response in verse 29. God says, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. What they are saying, the children of Israel said, when we experience God's greatness and his goodness, it created a fear in us because we recognize what power that God had. And God says, if you will recognize his power and if you will fear him, that's when the blessings come. He wants us to fear him so that we will be blessed by him. God says, oh, if they would just fear me, if they would keep my commandments, it will be well with the, with them. It will turn out good for them. 
You know, we've lost that in America today. We don't fear God like we used to. God's name is used uh, in vain on television today, and it's so flippantly used, and the things of God are not revered like they used to be. No wonder we have the problems in our society that we do today. We need to return to fearing God and understanding that he is awesome and understand his power. But not only does fearing the Lord produce awe, but fearing the Lord also produces faith. When you fear God, you'll begin to believe in God. Now, again, we have the children of Israel as an example in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 29. This is after the Red Sea has parted and they've crossed the Red Sea. The Bible says, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, referring to the Red Sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You see, it began with fear, and their fear produced faith. When you fear God, then you will have faith in God. You'll believe God. If you don't have any fear, you won't believe him. It's kind of like a child and a parent. If there is no awe, there's no fear, there's no respect. And I'm not talking about a fear as in afraid of, of uh, uh, you know, something happening. That's, that's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, a, a reverential awe of the authority of God. When we fear that, then we can place our faith in God because we realize that he is in control of everything, that God can take care of all of our needs whenever we fear and we trust him. And then fearing the Lord produces salvation. Hebrews chapter 10. You know, as I read this scripture, I don't think someone can really come to Christ until they understand the depth of sin and the fearful wrath and judgment of God. We hear a lot about the love of God, and God is love. God is loving. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the person that spurns the love of God will face the judgment of God, and it's a fearful thing to face the judgment of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, let me turn to it. I've got the wrong chapter. Here we go. For if we sin willfully, we, we, don't, we don't think about it. We don't feel remorse or uh, a guilty conscience or anything. We just sin willfully. After that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. In other words, we know better. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, it, it doesn't benefit you, the sacrifice uh, for sin. But a certain fearful looking for uh, judgment and a fiery indignation which shall just devour the adversaries. What that means is that if you spurn the goodness of God when you know you should do right and yet you willfully sin, you're not going to get the mercy of God. You're going to face the wrath of God or the judgment of God. And verse 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is a scripture that Jonathan Edwards used in his uh, famous message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He gave the example of a spider crossing a web that dangled over a fire. And as those flames would flicker up to the web, 
he described how that that spider was teetering on the fire there, and that is the lost soul that's not accepting the mercy of God. Every day you're teetering on the judgment of God. Finally, death comes, and you face the wrath and judgment of God, and no opportunity for mercy. So it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You'd be better off to face his mercy, repent of your sin, and receive him than to face his wrath and his judgment. So happiness is is fearing God. Number two, happiness is the correction of the Lord. Now that sounds strange. I understand fearing the Lord, but being corrected by the Lord? Well, let me read a scripture to you. It's Job chapter five and verse 17. The Bible says, behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Happy is the man whom God correcteth. Now, again, that does not make a lot of sense in the, in the natural sense. It goes against good sense to be happy about facing correction. Now, my dad, uh, when I was growing up, he corrected us. There were four of us boys, and we needed corrected. And uh, I don't remember one time ever being happy that, got, that my dad corrected me. Uh, it was a very somber occasion whenever my dad corrected me, but I'm happy now that he did that because it kept me on the right path when I could have gotten myself in a lot of trouble. Uh, it kept me behaving right. And now that I'm older and I'm a father myself, I appreciate that. And see, sometimes God has to correct us. In fact, he's the ultimate corrector. Now, God will correct his children when we get out of fellowship with him. But it's important how we respond to that. You see, we should not be stubborn or resentful over the correction of God. It should make us happy. You say, Pastor, how can I be happy over the correction of God? Well, let me read this scripture to you and I'll explain it to you. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. The Bible says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now, we just read that. Uh, in the book of Job. He says, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, when God corrects you. And God has his ways of correcting us and chastising us and getting us back in line with him. Now, here's the important verse, verse six, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, not who he hates, but who he loves, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Whose son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Think of it like this. You don't discipline someone else's kids. Now, you might like to, you know, sometimes you go into into a store and children are misbehaving and you think, boy, uh, that child needs some discipline. But you don't discipline anyone else's children. You discipline yours. Why? Because you love them. And those are the ones you're concerned about. God does not discipline, discipline rather, the devil's kids. If you're an unbeliever, God will not discipline you. He'll leave you on your own to make your own decisions. Now, you will face his judgment uh, whenever that time comes, but uh, God uh, just lets the devil's children live for him, and, and he offers salvation. It's a free gift. Now, you have the opportunity to accept that, and then when you become a child of his and you're in the family, so to speak, uh, then God will correct you whenever you need it because he disciplines his own children. And so God doesn't discipline those whom he hates. He disciplines those whom he loves because they are his children and he wants them to behave correctly. Number three, 
Happiness is building a godly heritage for the Lord. Happiness is building a godly heritage for the Lord. I'm going to go back to the book of Psalm, and we're going to look at uh, 127, verses 3 through 5. Psalms 127, verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. So you have an example here. God says children are the heritage of the Lord. They are, they are your legacy. Your children, your grandchildren are your legacy. Your job is not your legacy. Your bank account is not your legacy. Your home is not your legacy. It's your children. It's your grandchildren, okay? And then he says, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He's, he's uses a description there of the arrows. He says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, you think of back in the day, whenever they would hunt with, with a bow and arrow, they would carry several arrows in the quiver and they would shoot those arrows out. He, the, the, uh, the, the connection here is as we raise our children and we release them into the world, they are to be a reflection of us and a blessing to us. The greatest blessing that you can have as a parent and a grandparent is to have children or grandchildren that love the Lord. That's the most important thing. You see, many people spend the majority of their lives focused on leaving a financial heritage for their children. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that that's good. We, we should do that. But it becomes wrong when God is left out of the equation. Think about this. Why would you invest all of this time and energy and money on teaching your child how to play ball, how to work on cars, to get an education, to have a career, uh, to build a nice home and drive a nice car, but never invest in their spiritual life? Now, people will say, well, I'll leave that part up to them. I'm sorry, but I think that's foolish. We don't leave all the rest of it up to them. Why, why don't we teach them when they're little about God? And about the things of the Lord. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 16, verse 26. Listen to this. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? So, you know, it makes us proud. People like to say, well, my child's a, a doctor or my child's a, an attorney or my child's a preacher, whatever it is, you know, and we're proud of that. But you'd be better off not just to be proud, but to be happy because, you know, they're on their way to heaven. I, I'll be honest with you. I would rather our sons uh, live in uh, homes that are uh, just average and drive an average car and wear average clothes and just work a job, pay your bills and know the Lord than to live in a million dollar mansion and drive a, a real fancy vehicle and all that stuff and not know Jesus. Because one of these days, they're going to leave that behind. As the old saying goes, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You're not taking it with you. And we may as well teach our children that uh, when they are young. It's not that the things are bad. It's okay to have a fine home, okay to have fine vehicles, okay to have money in the bank. That's all. That's wonderful. Just don't leave God out of the equation because that's where true happiness comes is when we leave a godly heritage for the Lord. And then the last thing I want to share with you is that happiness, and this one's really going to sound strange, but I think I can back it up with scripture. Happiness is suffering for the Lord. Now that sounds really strange again in the natural when you think of suffering. Suffering brings happiness. Well, let me read a couple of scriptures. First Peter three and verse 14. 
says, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Here's first Peter chapter four and verse 14. If ye be reproached, that means you're ridiculed, you're, you're made fun of, you're put down. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And so the Bible here twice in back-to-back chapters says, if you suffer, if you are reproached and you do that for Christ's sake, then you'll be happy. Now, are you sure you want to be happy? I guess maybe I ought to ask that question first. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if I want to be that happy to suffer. Well, I, I, I want to explain this to you. How can it be that suffering and happiness go hand in hand? Well, I think it requires two things. Number one, it requires the right reason for the suffering. Notice there again in 1 Peter three fourteen. but if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. It must be the right reason. You know, a lot of things we call suffering really are nothing more than self-inflicted consequences. Uh, You say, well, I'm suffering. I'm going through some financial trouble right now, and I'm suffering for the Lord. Well, uh, is that the case? Or have you maybe overextended yourself financially? Maybe you've maxed out your credit cards foolishly, and then you want to call that suffering for the Lord. Well, you know, that's not really the case. Uh, maybe you're going through a, a health crisis and you think, boy, I'm going through this, this suffering uh, for righteousness sake, for the Lord. Well, it could be, but it may also be that you didn't take care of your body uh, and maybe because of uh, smoking or alcohol or overeating, whatever the case is, you, it's affected your body. Well, that's not suffering necessarily for righteousness sake. That's a, that's a self-inflicted uh, consequence. Suffering for righteousness sake means that you're doing the right thing and you suffer for it. You're standing for what is right. Maybe on your job, you get ridiculed uh, because you believe uh, in a certain thing. Let's say you say uh, at work, you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Well, that's not popular today. And so you would be ridiculed for that. Well, if you stand for what is right and what the Bible says, what is true, and you suffer for that, for righteousness sake, you'll be happy. Why? Because God is happy with you. And listen, you'd be much better off to please God than to please men. (laughs) The the, uh, applause of men is very fickle because men can love you one day and talk about you the next. They did that with Jesus Christ. Jesus enters into Jerusalem to palm leaves being placed down, and the people are all saying, Hosanna uh, to the king, and with it, by the end of the week, they're all saying, crucify him and putting him on the cross. So you're better off to please God rather than to please men, and that will make you happy when you suffer for the right reason, for righteousness sake. Not only that, but then it also results in the right resolve in suffering. Again, there in verse 14, if you suffer for righteousness, righteousness sake, happy are ye. Now here's the result. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. You know, the, the, the world keeps us in a state of fear. And really, the media plays a big part in this. You know, there's millions of dollars that advertisers pay to especially the, the secular news media to keep us all in fear. You turn the news on and you watch it for 10 minutes and you see nothing but war and you see disease and you see floods and famines and tornadoes and hurricanes and you have all these things going on and it keeps you in turmoil and then you turn it off and you have your own problems to deal with. Maybe your physical problems, your financial problems, you have family problems. And so you put all of these together and all of a sudden you're in a state of fear. You're in terror. 
Well, that's not happiness. You know, that fear, by the way, does not come from God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So if the spirit of fear is not coming from God, it only can come from one other source. That is the devil himself. And so the the devil really is behind this in our world system today to keep us in fear um, and that's what, that, that's what happens is so uh, we're not happy and we end up fearful. But the Bible says when we suffer for righteousness sake, we'll be happy. And then we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be troubled. That means that you can lay your pillow down. You lay your head on the pillow at night and not have to worry. You don't have to toss and turn and lose sleep. Could you sleep knowing you were facing suffering? Well, the apostle Peter did. In fact, you can read that for yourself in Acts chapter 12. The Bible says that Herod had put James to death and the people applauded. They liked that. So he decided, well, I'll arrest Peter and do the same to him. And the Bible says that the soldiers were right in between Peter and had him chained to them. And Peter was laying right between them sleeping. Here you have a guy who before betrayed uh, or rather denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times prior to the crucifixion, but after the day of Pentecost, when he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God, here he is now facing some sort of suffering, possibly death the next day, and the guy's asleep, being chained to these soldiers. Now, in that situation, the church was praying, and and, uh, he was uh, loosened from that situation, but what I'm telling you is that you don't have to live in fear when you know that God is in control, and when you suffer, it's for righteousness' sake, and you'll be happy in spite of the circumstances. I remember whenever I was a, a teenager in the 1980s, there was a popular song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Maybe you remember that one. And uh, that's a good little a good little tune maybe to listen to sometime. Don't worry, be happy. But the key to that is the Holy Spirit of God to help us to not worry, to, but to be happy. God does want us to be happy. The question is, are you willing to do what it takes to be happy. Are you fearing the Lord? Are you open to the correction of the Lord? Are you leaving a godly heritage uh, for the Lord? And are you willing to suffer for the Lord? If you can answer to the affirmative on those four questions, then don't worry, be happy. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray the message was a help to you. And I'm always uh, enjoying being with you on Sundays and those who, again, listen to the Bible Truth Podcast. And we look forward to being with you again next Sunday. And until that time, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.